0: Hello, welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast. This is my WWE Fastlane 2023 review. If you're listening to this on a Saturday, well, not Saturday, excuse me, on a Sunday, um, WWE Fastlane just happened last night. I watched it. It was a good show. It wasn't one of their excellent shows that they've been putting on for some times now, but this was a fairly good show. It had five matches on the card. Each match had enough time for it to get over and for the crowd to at least get into it. Um, I will say what my match of the night was when I get to it, and to be honest with you, it's technically the first match of the night, which was Finn and Damian Priest going against Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes. Before I get to that, I will like to make notice that on the pre-show, they did show Jay Cargill roaming into the building for Fastlane seeing her exit the car and talk to Triple H, shake his hand. So this is showing you that they do have some plans for Jay Cargill. We all have no idea whether she's going to show up either on NXT or Raw or SmackDown since we're having the season premiere of SmackDown this upcoming Friday. I think we might have the season premiere of Raw coming this Monday, but they didn't announce it, so we might get it next Monday. But again, we have no idea what's coming with Jay Cargill. Is she going to be on NXT Raw, SmackDown, and especially with NXT being so packed this upcoming Tuesday, since they're going head-to-head with AEW this Tuesday, they can just surprise pop J. Cargill on NXT and have her do something for that quick minute. So again, I have no idea, but I do want to make mention that they had J. Cargill on the pre-show, and they've also showed her again on the actual show of her arriving into the building. So again, they have some plans for J. Cargill. Nobody knows what it is. Now, moving away from that. As I said, the first match of the night technically was my match of the night, the unified tag team championship match. Finn Balor and Damian Priest going against Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes. And we would have new tag team champions, Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. When Cody and Jay would hit a series of moves on Finn Balor, which consists of a super kick, then a combo, Cody Cutter slash 1D. Then Cody would finish off Finn with the crossroads to win the match. And solidify himself and Jay as the new tag team champions. Now, I would like to say this on commentary, like as the match will begin, Michael Cole mentioned the Bullet Club saying that we have former members or former leaders going against each other. And he mentioned how Finn was the original leader of Bullet Club and how Cody was a leader of Bullet Club, which is not the case. If anybody did watch when Cody was not in WWE and he was in New Japan and Ring of Honor, there was a storyline where Kenny Omega was the leader and Cody Rose, he was the guy that was in Bullet Club, but he was on the American side when Ring of Honor and he tried to take over Bullet Club and actually have himself be the leader, but that never really came to fruition. So for them to try to say that Cody was the leader, again, that was a faux pas on their part, but I get why they did that here. Um, Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso, they showed as a great tag team. They actually had great tag team chemistry here. They both are former tag team champions. They mentioned Jay being an eight-time tag champion, Cody being a six-time tag champion, Jay holding all his tag titles with his brother, Jimmy, Cody having different partners from Hardcore Harley to Ted DiBiase Jr., to drew McIntyre, to his own brother gold dust dustin Rhodes, and now with him having jay as his partner it just it was great to see those two actually have great tag team chemistry here even though they didn't like have any flashy like combo moves to put together for a tag team sequence um they got that done in the end but through the match they showed like basic tag moves like holding a uh, holding a arm and allowing the person to go after the arm or going after the leg or something like that. It was real basic tag maneuvering that Cody and Jay did, but they, but it came off effective. Um, as per usual in this match, in every judgment day match, there would be shenanigans. You had Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley and JD McDonough would interfere. Dom would try to interfere. He would get hit with a super kick. You have a moment with Jay and Rhea would just stare at one another Rhea would hit Jay with the googly eyes. Jay would kind of like give in a little bit, but then he had to snap back into it and get back in the ring and do his business. Uh, JD McDonough, he would kind of cost the judgment day, the tag titles here when the referee was busy with Cody on, no, no, it was Jay on the inside of the ring because Damian Priest and Finn, oh God, Damian Priest and Cody were fighting on the commentary table and Cody had Priest and JD was going to hit Cody with the Money in the Bank briefcase, but he inadvertently hit Damien with the Money in the Bank briefcase, and this allowed Cody to hit Priest with the crossroads on the commentary table. So with Priest being taken out by this, this allowed Cody and JD to hit those series of moves on Finn to win the match to become tag champions. After the match, you saw JD McDonough kind of get scolded by Rhea Ripley, so you know he's probably going to have some answers Uh, or rather some hell to pay on Monday Night Raw from Damian Priest and more than likely from Rhea. Finn's probably going to give his boy, uh, he's going to give him some leeway and say, Hey, he was just trying to help us. He wasn't trying to screw us. Look how he helped us to win the tag titles. Look how he's been helping us for these past weeks. He didn't try to screw us. Trust me. He's going to make it up to us. I guarantee you that's the angle I see JD and Finn at least working here. But again. The Judgment Day is now without Tag Team Gold. Rhea, Ripley, and Dom still are your champions in that group, but Damian Priest still has the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, next up, we would have a three-on-two tag matchup, which would later turn into a six-man tag. We have Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits going against the LWOs, Santos Escobar, and the United States champion, Ray Mysterio. And then later in the match, Carlito, he would come out to help Ray and Santos to be their third guy. Carlito and LWO would win that match by pinfall when Carlito would hit Montez Ford with a backstabber to win the match. Now, as I said, this was originally slated as a three-on-three, but when Santos and Rey came down and they didn't have their third uh, partner, it seemed that it was going to be a handicap match. And at the beginning of the match, the Profits and Bobby would just dominate and there will be points within the match where Santos and Ray were able to fight back, especially when Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford were in the ring uh, going against Santos and Ray. But when Bobby Lashley came in the ring, it was always game over. It was always shutdown time. Bobby just dominated Santos and Ray. That would allow Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins to get in, get their cheap shots, and start gaining power over Ray and Santos. I do like how Bobby... And the Street Prophets all came out in like matching attire with the simplistic gold and black, but you saw like the glitter inside of the gold and some type of uh emblems in the pants of their stuff. I did like that, the unity in their uh partnership that we have here. Um towards the end of the match, as I said, when Rey Mysterio was down in the ring and he was looking for looking to get a tag out, Santos was on the floor and you see Carlito come out. He has new entrance uh, theme. He comes out, Ray tags him in. Carlito's able to fight off against the Prophets and Bobby, hit the backstab Ramantes forward, get the win for his team. So there you go. I don't want to see Bobby Lashley and the Street Prophets break up because they still have a lot of work to do as a group. I feel that they haven't even reached their ceiling nowhere close to it. And, I can see them trying to hit that, this uh, that disbanding situation that they tried to do a couple weeks ago. But I will say, with Carlito coming out towards the end of the match, it gives the Street Profits an excuse to Bobby because Bobby and the Profits didn't think that Ray would even find a partner to team up with himself and Santos. So this gives the Profits an excuse for them not to get yelled at by Bobby. So hopefully, again, we'll have to wait and see what happens on SmackDown with Bobby Lashley and the Prophets. But the LWO, they do get the win over Bobby and the Prophets here on Fastlane. Now next up, we will have the Triple Threat match for the WWE Women's Championship. We have Asuka going against Charlotte Flair, going against Io Sky, who is the Women's Champion. Io would win the match by pinfall, thanks to a distraction from Bayley. When Charlotte had Asuka locked in the Figure 8 Bailey would get on the ring apron, and the referee would miss seeing Asuka tapping out. This allowed Io to hit Charlotte with a moonsault to win the match. Now, to start the match off, Asuka, she would just hit Charlotte in the face with the mist to take uh, uh, Charlotte out at the beginning of the match and to allow Asuka and Io to go at it for a minute as medical would look over Charlotte to get the mist out of her face Uh, after that was done. Charlotte would get back in the ring, and Charlotte would go at it with both of the ladies, and I want to say that Charlotte had a big presence in this match. Her aura comes off as being, I'm that person, I'm the man, I'm the woman, and it felt that way in this matchup. It felt that Charlotte was like, you got to beat Charlotte to, uh, establish yourself it feels that way with charlotte in this match here i don't know how really to describe it but if you watch the match you can just feel it i mean io and oscar they did what they had to do in the ring with themselves by wrestling each other but when charlotte got in it just felt that charlotte was that centerpiece i don't know how to describe it really to you you got to see the match to really understand what i'm saying i could be tripping but I usually am able to see this and this right here was a real sharp pinpoint of showing you that Charlotte is the focal point of this matchup and probably the focal point of the women's division since Bianca Belair isn't there. To be completely honest with you, um, Bailey, she will come out as I've already stated. Bailey was the reason why EO retained her title. Fun thing to note about this on the pre-show. EO told Bailey that she didn't want Bailey out there. In her match, and towards the end of the match, when Bailey did come out, you saw Io talk to Bailey, say, hey, "I need you to go in the back, go in the back," but Bailey would not try to hear that from Io. So now, with Io kind of owning and owing Bailey that WWE Women's Championship, I could see on SmackDown Bailey going after Io at least. Making some type of remark saying, hey, since I helped you retain your championship, even though you told me to stay in the back, you owe me a shot, or I would like to have a shot at that championship. Because it's been building towards Bayley going against Eo for some months now that Eo cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase and became the WWE Women's Champion. It's been building towards that with Bayley and Eo Sky. Now, will it happen this Friday? Probably. I will say the seeds have already been uh, put into the ground for weeks now. But I think now the watering and like heavy watering of the seeds for the flower to really start blooming is going to happen this Friday. And I think Bailey's going to start poking and prodding at EO to try to at least get a shot at that women's championship. That's just my belief. Now, next, we have kind of a break in the show. Pat McAvee, he will come down to the ring. He's wearing a WWE NFL collaboration championship belt. He's wearing the Indianapolis Colts championship belt. Um, Pat will say that it's time for Indianapolis to get a WrestleMania. And when he's done saying this, he introduces John Cena, and he introduces L.A. Knight, and then he will leave the ring to join commentary for John Cena and L.A. Knight's tag matchup against Soul Sokoa and Jimmy Uso who will have Paul Heyman in their corner. Now, L.A. Knight and John Cena, they would win this match by pinfall when John would hit the five-knuckle shuffle on Jimmy Uso, and then L.A. Knight would hit the BFT for the win. Um, I will say this. For this match, it was a standard tag matchup. You know what it is when you get this. John Cena was in majority of the time for his team, and he did this so the crowd can really amp up for L.A. Knight. And I do want to make mention of this. It's still weird to me not to hear dueling chants of Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks, because for decades, you would hear that chant of Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks for a decade, 11 years, 12 years, 13 years, 14 years, you've heard that chant, and now since Cena has gotten that love and admiration from the crowd, you don't hear those chants anymore, you just hear Let's Go Cena A lot. The only time I think you will ever hear that is if he like goes against an LA Knight, and then you'll hear that, or he goes goes against someone like a Cody or someone that's really super like over with the fans. That's when you'll hear those doing chants again. But I haven't heard those chants in some time now, and it just made me realize that during this match, how crazy it is not to hear that. Um, As I said, Cena, he was in this match a lot for his team so the fans can get hyped up for LA Knight when he does get the tag and when he does the fans are popping for LA Knight. LA Knight can do no wrong. He's beating up on uh, Jimmy. He's beating up on Solo. He's able to take them on by himself for a minute before Jimmy and Solo beat down on LA Knight and then John Cena will come in and now it's a two-on-two and then it goes back to two-on-one. Knight's taking on Solo and Jimmy. I mean this was basically all the match was about just LA Knight getting that pop and LA Knight basically getting the win. I will say this match was for LA Knight. Now, during this matchup, they wouldn't mention how on commentary, Jey Uso, he won the tag team titles earlier. Jimmy's here teaming up with his younger brother, Solo, how they both are brothers, but they got to find some connection in the tag team realm to make this match actually a win for them. And with them not getting the win, and they mentioned how Roman Reigns is going to be coming back on SmackDown this Friday, I will say Jimmy and Solo will have some hell to pay, to be completely honest. Because they've been running roughshod over SmackDown. More Jimmy than Solo, to be completely honest. But Jimmy has been trying to get back in the bloodline. He's been trying. So I can see Roman kind of poking and prodding at Jimmy, saying, You've been trying to be Big Dog. You've been trying to be a carbon copy of the tribal chief. I can see him like really starting to poke and prod with Jimmy. And I can see him probably even poke and prod with Solo because Solo has been moving without Paul Heyman's advisement. And I can see Roman getting at Solo a little bit and probably even chastising Solo a little bit. But again, I'm just spitting some things out. I do think he's going to get at Jimmy more than anything. But again, we'll have to wait and see on SmackDown because Roman Reigns will be coming back. Now, we go over into the main event. Last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins defending his title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Seth would retain his championship by putting Nakamura through two tables in the crowd with a falcon arrow after hitting a pedigree and a curb stomp. Now, the weapons that were used in this match were kendo sticks, steel chairs, steel steps, a trash can, a ladder uh nunchucks tables those are all the weapons that were used here nakamura dominated in my opinion a lot of this match up here i mean seth would get his licks back here and there but nakamura to me he just dominated a lot of this match nakamura worked on the lower back of seth as has already been noted that nakamura was going to do so i mean he worked on it more in this match than he did in the match at Payback last month against Seth. And he also started to go after Seth's knee because in a last-minute standing match, you had to get up on your own two feet and stand on your own two feet to make sure that you uh, break the count of 10. Um, so he does this. Nakamura and Seth would fight in the ring, around the ring, in the crowd. And at one point, both men are fighting on the opposite side of the bleachers, like towards the outside of it. And Nakamura would hit Seth in the nuts, and then push him off, so Seth would fall onto a platform before he rolls off onto the floor, so Seth would hit the floor, the referee would start making the count, Seth would break the count, the match would continue. We go back around the ring, Seth, already earlier in the night, he pulled up the platform, not the platform, the foam, um, around The entrance ramp and Seth would look to hit a pedigree on Nakamura, but Nakamura would reverse it, hitting Seth with a backdrop, and Seth's back would hit that concrete and emit a thud. And I know that hurts. Point blank period. That pad they already mentioned is a thick pad, but you can still feel all the pain. So once you hit concrete the way that Seth did and it made a thud, Seth's gonna be feeling that. He's probably feeling it right now. Um, you had that happen. You had Nakamura put Seth on a table and then climb to the top turnbuckle, hitting diving, double knee drop onto Seth's uh, midsection, breaking the table. Seth would then break the count there. Seth would even set up a ladder next to the commentary table. And at first, Seth will have Nakamura on the table as Seth will climb the ladder. And then next thing you know, Nakamura's on the other side of the ladder climbing up. You see Seth and Nak fighting with each other. And Nakamura will even spray. Red mist into the face of Seth and then throw him off onto the commentary table. And at this point, I thought the match was over, to be completely honest. But nope, Seth would break the count at 8. Seth would get in the ring. Nakamura already has a chair up in the middle of the ring. He'll hit the sidewalk slam on the chair. And Seth will still get up. There's a table in the corner. Nakamura would hit Seth with the Kinshasa and Nakamura would uh, have Seth's body crashing through the table in the corner. And the top half of the table will fall into Seth's body. And Seth will break the count at 9 because he rolls out of the ring and his feet will land on the floor and he's standing up. I mean, Nakamura gave it his damnedest to try to beat Seth here in this last man stadium match, but it just couldn't get the job done. And Seth was able to retain his World Heavyweight Championship. I do want to make mention of this. Before the match actually did begin, like before the competitors did come out, we saw a backstage segment with the Judgment Day. And Damian Priest, he was still nursing his knee. He would tell Rhea that he wants to cash in his Money to Bank briefcase because he's not going home without any championship goal tonight. Finn told him it was a bad idea. Dom told him it was a bad idea. Rhea told him, no, you're not doing it because you said that you want to cash this in at the right time. And right now you're hurt. So Rhea would have to tell Priest to hand over the money to make briefcase, and Priest would do so. And once the match was over with Seth and Nakamura, I swore I thought I was going to get a Judgment Day beatdown on Seth, and then Damian was going to cash in, but that didn't happen. We just got Seth winning the match and him celebrating with the people in the crowd. So I can expect some... Judgment Day talks in the ring or backstage or Damien Priest said, I could have capitalized on that with Seth being injured after all the pain that he went through at Fastlane. I could see Priest probably saying that, but again, we have to wait and see what's going to happen on Raw. This is me just spitballing here. But Fastlane, all the other, it was a solid show. It wasn't one of their best shows. Again, to me, the match tonight literally was the first match because the crowd was rocking. You got an unpredictable um Finish that! I don't think anybody thought Jay and Cody would win the tag titles. I said on my predictions that I thought Finn and Priest were going to win, but I would not be surprised if Cody and Jay won because we are living in such a crazy time in WWE that anything literally could happen. And what did they do? They pulled that off. They have Jay and Cody be the tag champions. So again. I think we're stepping towards Cody going after Roman. This is just another way to get this thing solidified and we still don't have the person being traded from Raw to SmackDown since we had that trade from Jay coming from SmackDown to Raw. So again, this can move into that perspective. But again, all this will be answered in due time. I can't wait to see what's going to happen on this week's uh, WWE. And yeah. Now with that, that has been my fast lane review if you have not listened to my wrestling highlights of the week when I talked about AEW and Christian Cage and Edge or Adam Copeland excuse me and all the other haps in the wrestling world this past week you listened to that on my Saturday episode that happened yesterday if you haven't listened to my Sunday episode which is out now you can listen to that too um this has been your fast lane review and I believe that's everything I want to say so with that Have a great day. You'll hear from me again this Wednesday for my midweek episode. But with that, please have a great day. I love you all. And I'll see you soon.